Welcome everyone, I'm Dominic, CTO and co-founder of DropSolid and welcome to our podcast, the Open Digital Experience Podcast. We will be talking about content management systems, digital experience platforms, everything you need to build the best customer experience. We will be talking about Drupal, Matic, everything open source to do this and we will be interviewing experts from inside our company and also outside our company. So, if you have 30 minutes, you go on a bike ride, go on a, a, a drive, put on our podcast and enjoy and learn everything digital experience. Welcome to the Digital Experience Podcast by Drop Solid, where we talk about all things digital, from strategy and technologies like Drupal, to automation and from data or DXP ecosystems to success stories. With every episode, we dig a little deeper into the true value, the best practices and the positive effect of frictionless experience. Thanks for tuning in and let's get inspired. Hey everyone, welcome to a Drop Solid podcast. I'm here with Frederik Waters, enterprise architect at uh, Drop Solid. And today we're going to talk about Kubernetes, Kubernetes. I don't know how to pronounce it, Frederik. Kubernetes, yeah, Kubernetes. Kubernetes, all right, okay. Uh, Frederik, first question, um, explain your role and how is it linked to uh, Kubernetes? Well, um, at uh, DropSolid, I'm an enterprise architect and I do uh, design architectures for clients uh, for DropSolid. Um, that means that uh, clients have multiple systems working together with their uh, digital experience platform or with their content management system. And mostly it's with CRM systems, ERP systems, uh, internal uh, systems, APIs. And um, um, of course, these, these applications that we build need to scale. And uh, we used to work with servers, dedicated servers, with uh, high available servers. Uh, more and more, um, we are living in a containerized world and we need to build containers that's, um, that scale more easy. Um, and Kubernetes is, is actually a, a very good system to deploy containers, which allow you to have a, a, a similar deployment pipeline for other applications as well, uh, and then deploy them and scale them uh, very easy. So how did you discover discover Kubernetes? Um, I, I first got in contact with Kubernetes um, by working at DropSolid. Um, we have a, I'm working in the digital experience platform team. Yeah? So um, we have a, a digital experience platform and it's also hosted um, in the cloud. Um, and there were also at the time, it's already a few years now, looking at um, uh, making it uh, containerized, so having it uh, run on containers. And um, I, I was very interested in the in the subject at the time. So I started looking into, and I had some knowledge about Docker, about uh, Docker Compose, about how to containerize applications. So for me, making the bridge to how, how can we get these Drupal digital experience platform things in the cloud was for me uh, an easy an easy bridge to make. Okay, so you're talking about uh, Drupal, so Kubernetes and Drupal. Can you can you talk a little bit more about this? Uh, why is it uh, why is it an added value to uh, to host your Drupal sites the the Kubernetes way? That's a lovely question, Dominic. 
thanks for that. <clears throat> well, um, for Drupal, um, hosting Drupal on containers, I think it can be super great. Why is that so? Because um, how, let me first explain how it works, and then I will go uh, and I will continue about why it's a good idea. So first, how it works is uh, you typically start with a Drupal repository, which contains code, PHP code, JavaScript code, all kinds of codes, HTML, whatever. Um, and we used to deploy that to a server with packages, with, with all these kinds of things. Now, in a, in a containerized world, it's a bit differently. What happens is we're going to build a new container, which is based on the Drupal repository, like based on the Drupal code that we had, but we also add, uh, for example, it's, it's built on an Nginx container or a PHP FPM container. And so it, it's using all of these things that already have been created in the community. And then you've created, uh, for example, an Nginx container and a PHP FPM container, where also your Drupal code is embedded on it. And then you can start putting traffic to it, for example, in the, in the cloud. So once you have built your custom containers, which, which will happen when you tag your code, you can then deploy it to uh, a cluster. So in Kubernetes, it's a term, you, you create a cluster, and a cluster is a bunch of resources. And then you can start spinning up containers that use these resources. So, and the cool thing about that is with Kubernetes, because Kubernetes is an, a source, a system, an open source system for automating your deployments, and it allows scaling and management of these um, applications. So, when much traffic comes to your application, it can automatically upscale by just adding more containers and more containers of the same application. And since Drupal is um, stateless, and we have this for a client where I think 70,000 people log in at the same time in the morning, it just scales up automatically. We, we don't even feel it. It's just the Kubernetes scales up, brings up more containers based on specific resource monitors. And then uh, and after five minutes, when the, when the peak is gone, it starts scaling down again and, and uh, removing the containers that are not used anymore. So it's really powerful once you have like a certain scale and you want to bring your applications to, yeah, to uh, like automatic scaling and have a nice deployment pipeline. So, does that answer your question, Dominic? Uh, it pops up more more questions in my mind. Like like first of all, how how does it know how to scale up? How does it know to to scale down? Well, um, how how does it know to scale up? Um, there is a in Kubernetes a mechanism that uh, monitors the performance of of your um, of your deployments. Uh, there are some Kubernetes terminology that I will be using. So deployments is a Kubernetes term, and you can deploy a PHP application. You can have a deployment for an Nginx application, and it will monitor the statistics. For example, CPU, memory, and you can have your own metrics. And what I define as a as a infrastructure, if I'm the infrastructure person, I will in the repository say, okay, the PHP application, we will declare a horizontal autoscaler for the PHP application. And when the CPU performance is going over 70%, then we scale up and we start, there has to be at least two pots minimum, and we can scale up till like, let's say 30 pots, for example. And then in every pot, in every um, PHP pot, you also have to define some limitations because otherwise it will grow and grow and grow and use all the resources and you will never scale. And so you have, you can have the choice between vertical scaling and horizontal scaling. And then if you say, okay, this, this pod can use one CPU 
And the thing knows, okay, it's at 70%, it will automatically scale up like that. It's actually fairly simple and really, really nice uh, to seeing it work. We've, we've been doing some low tests and um, hammering it with K6 is actually really fun. So with, with K6, it's a low testing tool. You put a lot of load on the system and you see them like automatically scale up. And then after your, there's a threshold when it will scale down again after five minutes of less load, then it will bring one container down and, and step down until like it's uh, again at like optimal usage. The only risk is, yeah, your invoice will also increase if you yeah, use more resources. I suppose the upper limit is how much money you have then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's cool to know that your system can handle peaks without you even knowing that uh, there's a peak. All right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Now, so if you put such a system in place, like you, you have a background as a Drupal engineer, then you evolve to um, enterprise architecture, which go uh, much broader. Like how, how did you determine on how to, to set up Kubernetes for, uh, for Drupal? How, how did you figure that out? It's, is it, is it available online? Is there documentation is how, how or is it application specific? It's not, not about Drupal. Can you explain more about this? Um, yeah, I, I figured it out by myself a bit. I didn't find many blog posts. Uh, that's also why I created a presentation about it, which I uh, did on uh, the, the Portuguese uh, Drupal day, I think, because I think it's very interesting for other people to learn about how to set this thing up. There's a lot of uh, shared knowledge about how to set up an application and scale it in Kubernetes, but not Drupal specific. And so what I did was, um, I know the Drupal ecosystem and, and, and scaling Drupals, uh, for pretty high performance in a regular, like in the old school way. And then I applied the knowledge that I had to, okay, how do I work with this Kubernetes setup? How do I dimension this cluster, these, these resources? And I applied that knowledge there. So. Okay. Okay. So yeah. And, and. Like, okay, you figured it out on your own. Like, for example, you have your Drupal engineer. He's really interested in, uh, in this technology. He wants to know more about it. He wants to get professional, like professionally experienced with it. What would you advise to such a person? I think, um, what's super interesting, if you want to get into the Kubernetes knowledge, um, for starters, uh, building and running a simple container on your local machine is a good starting point that should that should um that should be a, a good thing to start with if you can build a, a container with your own code in it and run it locally that's a good starting point what also will help you understanding all all of these concepts is also using docker compose so using docker compose to run other containers and and combine your code in it and have like a, a local little ecosystem that's also good to get started there's also Kubernetes clusters that you can run on your local machine. I didn't, I didn't do that. I immediately got to play with the big guns at the, at the, at the client. So, uh, I didn't, uh, test it on my local machine, but, um, you can also run a cluster locally and experiment there. Um, I, we are using Helm charts at the client. So, um, once you understand how you define a container in Docker compose, it's very transferable knowledge to how to set it up in Helm. It's actually, it's very, very similar. It's the same, you also define mount points. You also define um, uh, which image that you're using. And it's very, very similar. Okay, because like these days, it seems to me that 
you are uh, a long way as a developer from uh, from these technologies like a lot of cloud systems and we, we see it here in our own uh, uh, drop solid experience cloud team where we use the technology to 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 manage the infrastructure but the developer is not involved with it he has like this nice uh, interface to to just deploy his drupal site and everything uh, just work so it's very different than when we were well, 15 years ago when we started developing you really had to know how to how to set up a server and, and deploy drupal all these tools were not there yet like right now you you're just it's just all abstracted away like do you yeah, have any tips for for drupal engineers to still get that feeling uh, on how the infrastructure works and and how 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 they know their Drupal is interacting with the infrastructure? Well, for me personally, I, I agree with your statement that it's got a lot more complex, right? So the the CI/CD pipeline has gotten a lot of a lot more steps get, um, into getting your code running on production, and that's absolutely true. Um, I think what what I think is uh, certainly helpful for developers is just knowing how it runs on your local machine. And so if you can run your containers locally, then that's like one of the big things with containers, it's gonna run very similar on production because it's a container, it's like pretty contained. Um, I think running some containers locally to get it working in with Docker Compose or with another system, Lando or whatever, DDEV, getting those containers up and running with your local code is a good way to get started. What I personally also uh, did in the past, which helped me a lot, I think, is help setting up a CI-CD pipeline. I, we used to use uh, Jenkins, Jenkins. Uh, in the past. So I, I have some uh, old knowledge there. Um, setting up a, a deployment pipeline yourself certainly helps into getting an idea of how, how all this works together. I also set one up in, um, in GitHub Actions uh, but it, the, all the, the the concepts are very transferable between GitHub Actions, uh, GitLab, um, even even GitPod. If you if you like uh, to do it in the cloud with the GitPod things, you can also uh, try some things there. So I, I think setting up a, a small CI/CD pipeline is a good way to get a, an understanding of how it works. All right. So, and then like right now as a as a developer, let's say I'm. I've built my my features of my Drupal site, and I want to deploy this. What kind of a control I still have uh, on how the Kubernetes cluster is going to behave? Actually, actually, Dominic, it's a very good question because you have now more control over the infrastructure. In the past, you just committed your code, and it would run on the two servers that you had. End of story. It would yeah. not even scale because lots of traffic would mean that yeah, pages would get slower. Maybe um, a script would run or something like this. What, or what? What happens now is because also uh, lots of your infrastructure, if you define it like that, would also be in the code. So what I happened, for example, at a customer is um, they wanted to set up a separate database to do a migration in there, uh, but they didn't want to do it in the like the like the database that's going to run in production. So what we did, we, we just defined a little container, which we built with the, with the migration database inside and it spun up on test and up acceptance. They're, they didn't even need infrastructure people to come in and help with that. They just set it up fully, fully, fully um, by themselves. So they can have full control over the infrastructure this way. And so um, it, it, that's what 
you have with the Kubernetes repositories, you have more control over what um, uh, what you will spin up in production. Also, very similar for a front-end. Huh? So um, the, the, the trend these days is to have a headless um, setups. Huh? So the digital experience platform can also be set up in a headless way that you have the CMS as a, as a service and the front-end is a consumer of this CMS, but you can also have other systems using the, the, the API of the CMS. Um, and these frontends are very similar to setup. You can also have these containerized and auto-scaling in Kubernetes clusters. And so um, this way, I had to answer your question very briefly. I think you give the developers more control over the infrastructure. Okay, more more control, more power, more responsibility. They can They can break it then as well. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, so and there I would maybe like to give you a best practice as well. So and that's also, uh, in, uh, in the time now, um, uh, more and more you see that tests, automatic tests are important. Uh, so unit tests, of course, uh, you have to unit test your code. But I, what I typically also um, uh, uh, apply is that you have to have end-to-end uh, -end tests running. I like, I personally have a preference for Cypress tests. You can use whatever uh, BHAT or whatever kind of test that you want. But I think it's a good idea to have automatic tests for whatever things that you put in production. Which, by the way, also ties in with the CICD thing because, because that's also a thing that you can put in your pipeline. Whenever you deploy to test, run uh, maneuver, uh, to the test environment, run your Cypress test. When you, whenever you deploy to acceptance or you merge code, run your Cypress test and see that everything still works. And then you can actually deploy to production with a pretty safe feeling. Like I deploy on Fridays. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But, but because I think it's very interesting uh, how, how the responsibilities are uh, being divided between the infrastructure team and the development team. Yeah. There is no infrastructure team anymore. Eh? So because at DropSolid, you give the power to the developers to do development, but also have some control over the infrastructure. What you mean by infrastructure team is the people providing them with the capability to do everything with the, what they want. And so in, in, a, in, in, when I used to work at a previous employer, we really had an infrastructure guy in our team doing operation stuff, like doing infrastructure work. That's not the case anymore. It's gone. Yeah, it's gone. Okay, and how does that relate to uh, to the DevOps engineer role? Yeah, so uh, what, what actually happens is that because you give people um, more power to over the infrastructure, you could call that like ops, the ops part of it, uh, because you they have the autonomy to spin up a separate MySQL container where they have some migration data from a, from an old system. That's the operation part. Where in the past you need to ask someone, hey. Do you want to please spin up a container with uh, MySQL data? And they will say, container, yeah, I'll spin up a server for that. And it's going to cost you this. Now we can just do it fully ourselves, but it's operational kind of work. And so that's where the developer starts to evolve into DevOps people. Okay. So, so this is uh, actually an example on how the technology new capabilities reshuffle the, the responsibilities in, in teams and how uh, companies uh, operate. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. All right. So now a totally different question. Um, 
when is Kubernetes too much? When is it over engineering? When I, yeah. I suppose if you want to just run your simple Drupal block website on a Kubernetes cluster, it's it's probably overkill. But when when does it become a, an option? Yeah, yeah. So um, there's some there's some difficulty in getting it up and running. I think it's it's not as easy as um, running apt-get install Apache and apt-get install MySQL. And so uh, I agree on that it's uh, a little harder. So there's a little more abstraction indeed. Um, and it might not be as interesting for indeed simple applications. So what I, what I would maybe, uh, it's a hard question. I cannot give like a specific metrics on that, but I think if you would like have at least in the past two or more servers or a high available setup or or um, a setup that handles peak traffic, uh, that, that, ha that has peak moments and, and um, uh, that, then it would be interesting to start looking at uh, this kind of setup. Okay, okay. So once it gets uh, a little bit complicated, once you cannot do it anymore on a single VPS. Yeah, for example, what also could be interesting is if you have multiple different types of applications, then it's super handy because in the cluster, you can have all these applications, these containers running next to each other uh, on a single resource. Yeah? Otherwise you would need to have like servers running these applications next to each other, or maybe combining them in a single server, but it, it will make it harder. Okay. So that will also be a case uh, for it. And then I still have a question about sovereignty, like Kubernetes. Does it can it actually help you become more sovereign? And maybe I just maybe explain why what I mean with uh, with mm -hmm. being sovereign. Eh? Like a lot of cloud applications are are built on the cloud, serverless with with cloud functions, with, with which means that you're really locked into to the cloud if you're using this this application. Um, so it means you lose uh, a lot of sovereignty. Maybe you don't care about that. Uh, you you just there because you just want a, a service and somebody else is managing it and you don't want to uh, care for it and you just want to add value with your application. But let's say like sovereignty is very important to you. Like you, you, you have a, a, a very sharp pricing model. You cannot afford the cloud functions to be doubled or tripled in price or, or your application isn't financially viable anymore. How can Kubernetes help you become more sovereign? Well, um, yeah, uh, good question again, Dominic. Um, how can you get more sovereign? Um, I think Kubernetes is an open source system. It's, a, it's an open source thing. So uh, you can run your uh, all your infrastructure, all your code. You can run your your clusters on a cluster at Google Cloud. But can, you can, but you can also run it on your own cloud, on your own data center, in your basement if you want. And so, and actually, uh, we have a client that's already doing this. Uh, so uh, multiple clients actually. Um, uh, so we have uh, multiple clients that are doing this. Um, one of the clients where they do it, they have their own data center and they have an Azure uh, Kubernetes cluster. Uh, and there you can just choose by choosing the correct cluster to deploy your application to cluster A or cluster B uh, on-prem or uh, in the cloud. And so it really gives you the power to 
choose where you move your code or your applications. Um, you're not dependent on anything anymore in this cloud. So um, this way you're getting avoid being squeezed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you, you can actually even choose like uh, every month, where is the cheapest, where is the cheapest uh, Kubernetes cluster and just go there. Right? So you can really do it the other way and, and go for the cheapest option. I wouldn't recommend doing that, of course, yeah, but um, um, I think it, um, I think you, you really have the power to switch whenever you want. So it keeps, it keeps it in check. It's like yep. your, uh, your insurance for not getting squeezed, uh, too much for, uh, for all the, the ease. Yeah. And, yeah. And because you make abstraction of all the specifics of, of the, the servers, because you have your containers. Yeah. You just need a platform to land those containers on it. You just need the resources. So it doesn't even matter if the resources are where they are, just uh, need a system to land your containers in. And then the traffic will, uh, you need to point the traffic there, of course. But and, and who is then managing the Kubernetes cluster? Who is maintaining that? Who is, who is making sure it's, it stays up to date, secure, it keeps running? Well, that's a, that's a good question. So, um, it depends in, for example, um, yeah, it, it depends actually, um, if you do it yourself on your own infrastructure, yeah, then you need to uh, manage that yourself. But you can also say, okay, we're using a, a cluster from uh, Azure where we go to a specific version and, and enjoy everything from the cloud. So there you have uh, the choice, I think. Okay, so you, so you do need an infrastructure team then to, to manage the, the Kubernetes cluster for you. Yeah, on the higher level, you need indeed an infrastructure team that gives you the resources um, and on a like on a technical level, um, some people use Terraform to do that. Um, other people use other tools, and this way you can make abstraction of the which cloud, and and they will you can then just define a cluster in the cloud uh, where you're working and assign specific projects to that. Okay, so sovereignty also has a price, just like ease of use and. Uh... Yep. Just have someone care for your cluster for you. Doing it yourself obviously also has a, has its drawbacks. So it's up to you as an organization. Do you want to be locked in? Um, how 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 much features are you? Uh, how much are you using uh, from it? Um, all right. Okay, Frederick. I see we're almost there. Uh, thank, thank you very much for uh, this insightful, uh, insightful podcast. Uh, I know you have uh, some, uh, a lot of other blog posts on our website talking about Kubernetes. We will definitely link them uh, so people can uh, get up to speed with the terminology and, and, and some use cases. Um, but uh, thank you very much for taking the time with us. The pleasure was all mine, Dominique. Maybe I would like to also appoint the people that um, I will also be giving this presentation probably at DrupalCon or other um, conferences. So certainly check out our content there as well. Okay, yes, absolutely. Frederick, have a nice day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, everyone.